Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Experience. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. We're back. Golf. The off season. It just went on and on and on and on. Two weeks. It's off season. Come on now. Greenbrier. DraftKings picks and preview. We'll be giving out some bets towards the end of the show for the swing season in golf. Only expect the one golf show a week, but I will have my video up on PGATour.com. I'll be doing a bit of a write-up for GolfDigest.com as it pertains to betting and head-to-heads and top 10, so things like that. So just be on the lookout. I mean, I'll tweet it out. I'll post it. You know me. Uh, Just flood your timeline with nonsense. Just try to decipher between golf and football, and we'll be good to go. If you're not paying attention to golf, and you only are not paying attention to football, and only paying attention to golf, and this especially pertains to you audio listeners out there, just remember to download Download those other shows. Whether you give a fuck or not, I don't care. But just download them, then delete them. I need to get those clicks. You know what I'm saying? All right? So before we bring in Rick from DFSOnDemand.com, I do want to let you know there's still giveaways to be had. Smash that like button. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which Corn Fairy Tour graduate this year. That's not Victor Hovland. We're not going to give Vic a part of this right now that you think is going to be the most successful on the PGA Tour in the 20. 20 season jesus christ 20 20 comes at you fast tell you that much anyway rick who do you think that guy's gonna be um i choose victor hovland no um i guess it's scotty scheffler he's the next logical answer kids a stud yeah hopefully it's lonto i'm I'm really hoping lonto can keep his card this time around there's a lot of guys that I'm really excited to see. I think every single rookie this year is in the field, 21 of them, and 44 guys have never played the Greenbrier. So what's that, a third of the field? It should be a, a hell of a time trying to figure this out. So just even before we get into some of the changes and the new rules with the start of the new season, obviously the Greenbrier used to be played in the middle of the summer. Now it's towards the end of the summer. I don't know if that changes like what actually happens at this course or not. It's probably not going to be as baked out as it has been in the past, but I still think that you can kind of glean a little bit, especially tee to green stuff, because all the green complexes were actually changed after the flooding in 2016. Uh, that, you know, there's, it's still bent grass greens, but all the greens were rebuilt. All There's new grass sodded on all the bunkers and around the greens. So if anyone played in 2018, they're going to be plenty familiar with that. If not, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But the big changes, we were talking about this right before we came on, is that it's no longer, top 70 in ties starting at the Greenbrier. It's top 65 in ties, and no longer will there be a weekend cut. No more MDFs. And how many people do you think are actually going to know that heading into the season? Like 2%? 
Yeah, nobody. Uh, we're going to get a lot of tweets that are like, oh, hey, my guy finished T68 and now DraftKings says he's cut. What's the conspiracy theory going on here? Um, so, yeah, it's top 65 in cuts, but you don't have to do that MDF sweat, which seemed to burn me time and time again last year. It's funny, like the MDF sweat is uh, is always the worst because it's that last guy. If you do sneak a six to six through, it's like, oh, he, he's three shots better than the MDF. I'm good here. Then you just look. It's like, oh, he was four over today. He's no longer playing. Yeah, and I feel like there's even less uh, motivation for these guys who are like, hey, they're getting paid for the MDF anyway. It's really just like an extra day to get them out of town. They don't have to worry about it, but makes a big difference in your fantasy lineups. Uh, Before we actually jump into the course and what maybe statistically matters here, when we think about players who have been on this extended layoff, like we were talking about poor Sungjae. He went two weeks without having to play golf competitively. I, I don't know what he did. I'm shocked he didn't fly to like japan and play on the japanese tour or something like that or make sure he was over in europe i guess you know for the first time all season he takes consecutive weeks off maybe it recharges the batteries but when we're looking at stats i think it's going to be super tough this week because you have all these corn fairy guys whose stats really aren't accounted for when you look at like pga tour numbers you can go search through like corn fairy stats but they're not super extensive i'm not gonna lie to you they're all very like rudimentary stats not the stats that we look at anymore uh when we're trying to research golf and then you have the other guys who some of them haven't played since the window they they or even the northern trust like you know they got into the back end of the field with the northern trust they didn't make it through the weekend they've been off for a month so how do you judge these guys like when we're looking at stats because there's one guy that i really like but i don't know if the layoff has effectively like crushed his momentum or not yeah it's it's really difficult pat because you're gonna have to try to decide almost for each individual golfer if the layoff was good or bad i mean bubba watson's a good example where his best weapon his driver uh, actually coming down the stretch, he kind of limped to the finish line. His game wasn't that good, even his off the tee numbers for his last five or six rounds. And maybe the time off gives him an opportunity to go to the range, get some things sorted out. But who knows? Like Kevin Knopf battling an injury. Was this enough time off? So to answer your question, I don't have a good answer for it. I think we're going to try to just speculate. I'll try to leave, leave it out. I'll, I'll see guys who might have been playing well at the end of the year and think that they can continue that. Um, but it's really, really up in the air at the moment. Want to let everyone know the stats that I'm using and the stats that you see on the graphics are powered by fantasynational.com. We're at the beginning of a new season of golf, so now's probably the time if you're serious, even during the swing season. It's actually the best tool that you can have because it keeps you up to date on all this golf when you're not actually watching because you're watching football on a Sunday. I'll be watching. Rick will be watching, but you know, if you just want to throw in some DK lineups, the softest slates you're going to find all golf season are during the swing season because people legitimately don't have a fucking clue who any of these people are the St- fantasy national has got the stats to back this stuff up so if you're looking for a lineup generator generator head-to-head matchup tournament simulator all the core stats everything you need in the most customizable stat engine and modeling on zip planet fantasynational.com i highly recommend the annual plan right now it brings you all the way through the fedex cup playoffs and if you know that you're going to be playing like more than five dollars a week either gambling or on DraftKings, uh, i'd say it's probably pretty worthwhile if you're serious about winning that's what i'll go into here let's talk about the course it's the old white tpc it's a real real bizarre name i'm not gonna lie to you but it's a Par 70, it ends on a par 3, which is super crazy. I don't think it has that hill in the middle of the green anymore that Stuart Appleby actually like putted over and made a putt during like the end of the third round and shot a 59 to win this when it first came back in 2010. Under 7,300 yards, but par-adjusted-wise, Rick, a par 70 at almost 7,300 yards is actually kind of long. 
Yeah, I think it plays at altitude a bit, though. I think it's 2,000 uh, yep. feet above sea level, so it might play a little bit shorter than that 7,300 yards is actually listed. And I think we see a lot of drivers here. Guys just whip out the, the big dog every hole and see how far they can hit it. Yeah, I mean, you can't go to the bar on the weekend and whip out the big dog, but if you're at the Greenbrier, then all of a sudden you're good to go. Yeah, it's 2,000 feet above sea level, and hitting fairways here is pretty commonplace. 68% of the field hit the fairways. They're a bit wide. That's around 7 percentage points above tour average. The greens and regulation rate are through the roof. So the key stats that I really went with, Obviously, stroke gained approach is going to be huge, and you can mix that into strokes gained ball striking. But sort of the specific stats that I really wanted to target in on uh, was proximity from 125 to 175 because, like you mentioned, it's at elevation. Guys are going to be hitting driver. This can turn into a wedge fest pretty easily. And when you kind of scale back and look at some of the previous winners, at least recently at this event, like Kevin Na, he's an awesome wedge player. Xander Shifley, he's an awesome wedge player. And, well, Na is not the greatest driver of the ball. We know X is. So that's realistically, like, if you mix that with strokes gained approach, I think that's really where you want to be. And, like, you can break it down to, you know, par fours from 400 to 450 yards. There's six of them. Guys that just perform and make birdies on par fours anyway. But I went back because it's been a while since I've actually thought about the Greenbrier. So I read my last three years' worth of columns for the event. And the one thing that I found that, uh, at least I used to like to say, was it had a correlation with the Safeway. Now, it's funny that it's taken over the Safeway (laughs) spot as the first event of the swing season. But again, that's played at a bit of elevation as well. Good ball strikers tend to perform really, really well at these courses. But overall, like I find it really tough to kind of think, and I think there's a great kickoff event. And like the Safeway is the winning score is going to be super duper low. This is going to be a birdie fest. And I think that does play to the advantage of a lot of the corn fairy guys, because outside of the final event of the playoffs, most corn fairy events are just shootouts. Yeah. And actually I've got a couple of guys in mind who, Um, would rank very highly on like birdie or better or birdie average on the PGA tour. Because like you said, those guys on the corn Ferry tour, they know it's, it's fire at pins uh, to try to get your tour card. That's the, that's the only way to go out and win these things. And you mentioned a couple of good things that I I'd like to elaborate on. So not only can this tournament turn into a wedge fest, uh, most often it does turn into a wedge fest. Uh, you, you nailed it on the head where these guys are just, they're hitting driver, they're pulling out wedge and they're going from there. So any proximity stats, I like that 125 to 150 range. It's really, really good. And then I'm excited to see with this tournament now being in September, we've seen these greens roll pretty fast and firm in previous years, but now new green complexes, new time of year, not sure it's going to be as dry. I wonder how that impacts scores. And my, my thought is they're going to be even lower than normal. So you might have to get into that 18, 20 under par range. And these young guys who are used to being in shootouts might benefit from Uh, As it pertains to lineup construction this week, I don't know if I'm going to, I usually just play 20 lineups a week and I enter that. I might just crack it down to five or 10, maybe even build three and just play three maxes. There is no Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League during the swing season for golf because there's a Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League for NFL on DraftKings every single week. Same setup, three max entry, $15 to enter. You can enter up to three times, obviously. And there's no rake for that contest. Just check out one of the football shows uh, if you want to jump into that. Uh, It's a rake-free contest making it the best tournament on DraftKings. Still 5K 
for the winner. There's just, you know, there's a lot of guaranteed money in the prize pool. There's going to be over 60,000 guaranteed from DraftKings, and that's the rake-free number. So if you are applying a bit of NFL, which I assume you are, because everyone else in the world is at this point, that you want to jump into that, you can find that in the, you can find the link to the league in the description of the video or podcast if you want to jump in. Let's talk about these guys above $10,000, though, because when I'm shrinking my core in a week like this, I really like to narrow it down. I think I'm only going to take one guy from above $10,000. You got Bryson at the top. He's the only guy above 11. Then you got Vic. He's 10-9. Kokrak, Leishman, and Bubba Watson. Bubba's just a cross-off for me. He plays this tournament every year. He has a home on the complex, and this just more or less seems like a vacation for Bubba. He's never finished better than T13. You mentioned he struggled really coming down the stretch. This isn't to say that Bubba can't win. He's an excellent player, but this doesn't really appear to be a Bubba track. We know things about Bubba tracks is that you take him at Bubba tracks. You don't take him at other places that I'm just going to go with Vic here. I I was almost thinking about betting him at stupid odds because I just think he's going to win soon. Yeah, Bubba is there for the falconing and the casino, Pat. That is where (laughs) Bubba will be spending his time this week. Um, Victor Hovland is clearly the guy over $10,000. You compare him, even in his smaller sample of PGA Tour stats, he's best in the field in strokes gained off the tee. He's best in the field in strokes gained approach. He was gutty enough to go back down to the the Corn Ferry Tour. It got his card. It was like an 11th and a second place finish in the two events that he played down there. The kid is an absolute stud. He's ready to rock and roll. Uh, I guess the only knock is that he's never played the Greenbrier, but he's never played any of these courses that he goes out and crushes. So I agree with you. I think he's, um, I really love the nines. There's going to be a lot of lineups that I make that don't even include any of these 10K guys. But Victor Hovland is the only guy that's concerning me because I don't want to be left out when he goes and gets that win, which is uh, seemingly coming soon. I think I'm just going to go lock button on my top two guys and then figure out the rest from there. I agree with you. The 9K range does provide a lot of value, but if I'm going to take Vic, uh, it's hard to fit in two 9K guys along with him, so I kind of have to make my one, or maybe I'll split up my shares between two 9K guys, but I feel like just if you're going to go with one of these guys above here, I guess Leishman could be the weird guy in all of this. He putts really well on bent, just skill-wise. He's outside of Bryson. Like, Bryson is the best player in this field. It's just it seems like he's been off just a little bit, and he's super pricey. Uh, although bent grass is his preferred putting type, if you go back and look at the wins of his career, it's not going to be super stunning if Bryson just goes out and runs train on everyone. But outside of that, it'd be Leishman that piques my interest more than Kokrak, although Kokrak has the nice finish here. Yeah, I mean, get ready, Paul. You might want to clip this. I'm, I'll never say it again. Kokrak at 10,500 is kind of interesting. Uh, played super well down the stretch in the, the Wyndham Championship through the playoffs. I think he started last in the Tour Championship, ended up finishing 14th. He does have that third place at the Greenbrier. My concern with Kokrak is that he's very expensive for a guy that probably won't win. Like he doesn't, he doesn't even top five that often. He doesn't, he's not in contention that often. He's almost a lock to be like a top 20, but that's a lot of money to pay for a guy that you're just trying to get basically top 20 points out of. So if you're, if you're going for upside, which we all are, we're all trying to win the big prizes. I think it's Hovland. I'm willing to fade um, Bryson who just limped into it. Bubba, not really interesting at all. And Mark Leishman who, you know, obviously long-term form is better than a lot of these guys, but we haven't seen much life from him in, in recent weeks. Yeah, 10500 is just too much for me to pay for Jason Kokrak. If, if, J- if Jason wants to go out and win, 
Go nuts, Jason. I like you. I hope he can get a win at some point. Has he point. ever won? No, he's never he won. Win? No, he's never won on tour. Okay. And like yeah. last year was the best year that he's ever had. So maybe it is coming during the swing season. We've seen this a few times. Like I remember when Kisner had his first like really fire year. He ended up winning at Sea Island during the swing. Kevin Chappell had that hot fire year. Then he ended up winning during the swing season as well. So it does happen that guys can translate a good performance from the year before into the swing events when the fields aren't quite so tough but I just look at Victor I'm just going to hit lock and I'm going to go on my way and I, I'm not alone on that looking at the first run projections for ownership from Fantasy National he's projected to be in around 27% of lineups I guess it gets even higher than that Kokrak projects his second and then it is Bubba then Bryson then Leishman if you are looking Leishman is setting up to be the contrarian play up top which, which makes sense. Yeah, you're not playing Victor Hovland because you think you're going to be the only guy on him. You're playing him because you think he's the best in the field, and then you have five other roster spots to go out and find um, some differentiators, whether you pile up a couple of guys down at the bottom or whatever other strategy that you take. But Hovland is going to be, yeah, I, I think he breaks 30 in this field. So let's talk about the 9K range, which you seem to like a lot. For me, I look at Sung Jay. I mean, who knows? Coming off rest. We have no data on this, him coming <laughs> off rest, because he never takes a week off. So Sung Jay is 9,800 bucks. Neiman's 97. Piercy, Ben An. Russell Henley is 9,400. Then Scotty Scheffler, Kevin Na, who is the defending champion at this event, Keegan, and Cam Smith. Cam Smith projects to be the lowest owned at around 3 4% right now. Joaquin Neiman, around 26%. He probably also approaches over 30% ownership. And when I talked about locking in two guys, I might just lock in Hovland. I might lock in Neiman and call it a day and figure out the rest of the bottom. Yeah, not, not bad. I, I think it's hilarious to think that Sung Jay might be all messed up because he's taken two weeks off. That's hilarious to me. Um, th- there's a lot of guys here. I, I think I will create a bunch of lineups to try to fit as many of these nine K guys in. Um, we mentioned Sung Jay who had a, a stellar end of the season. Joaquin Neiman, who you were, sounds like you were going to lock. looks like he started to figure things out. Um, you know, the back end of the last year, he had a decent finish. What he finished fifth place at la- um, not last year's Greenbrier, the 2018 Greenbrier. You've got Benny on who is like a T to green stud. He's probably the one that I'm looking at Pat, because I think he, um, might fall behind ownership on a couple of these other guys in the 9K range. We know he can't putt, but he's an absolute tee to green monster. And then you get like, I mean, even Scotty Scheffler, two wins on, on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like there's so much to love here. I'm just going to try to force as many of these guys into lineups as I can. So we know that Hovland's going to be a super over-owned. We know that Neiman's going to be super over-owned. But do you think that playing them together could release some of the ownership because it's really difficult to make lineups if you use those two? Yes, because I think in general, you're going to see a lot of more balanced builds because um, a lot of guys aren't going to want to go down and try to like test, test their, the, test the waters with these corn fairy guys or the seven K guys or the six K guys, or your big, strong NFL, you know, DFS players are going to come in and only play the guys that they know. So uh, to do that, it kind of has to be a little bit of a, of a balanced build. Um, so I, I think that if you're willing to go down into, you know, the mid sixes or the, or the low seven, something like that, which is probably what you'll have to do, Pat, if you lock those two guys in, if you can hit them down there, I think you're, you're going to be naturally different than the rest of the field. Russell Henley, I don't love Russell Henley by any means, but he does have a very good track record at this event. It's basically of the guys that are overpriced because of their course history. It's Henley and Robert Streb this week. Would yeah. you lean on those guys at all? 
No, I mean, I, I'm generally not a course history guy. My, my theory is like, yeah, I don't think they, they show up at West, in West Virginia and all of a sudden learn how to hit a golf ball when there's been no signs of life. Um, you nailed it. Russ Henley's price is, you know, 100% correlated to his course history here because it's not correlated to anything within his recent form. Um, this to me is a, a situation, and even in a betting market, like this is, this is a fool's bet. Uh, there, there's, just, there's just no other reason to bet Russell Henley other than like the last three times he's played here he's been okay yeah he does rank inside the top 30 in this field over the past 24 rounds and birdies are better gained in that proximity from 125 to 150 and 150 to 175 so he was starting to get it back together a little bit I don't think that anyone's gonna own him it's just sort of like Kevin Na we're all it's more of a wait and see thing with Kevin Na because he's coming off this injury and Hey, yeah. It'd be like if you told me, like, Louie's not feeling great. It's like, well, you, you can't use great. him because he's probably going to withdraw. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to play Kevin Na. Um, and, and we talk about this all the time, Pat. I, I prefer to be early on golfers than late. But when, when, when he withdraws from the BMW with an injury and these guys don't have to tell us what it is and they don't have to tell us what the extent of it is and, you know, has he been able to practice? Like, that's what I'm even kind of more worried about. That was less than a month ago. He withdrew from the BMW championship. Whatever that was that he decided was serious enough to end his season uh, right then and there ha ha is, is three and a half weeks long enough. Has he been able to practice? Like, I'm going to wait and see on Kevin Na. I usually don't. I'm, I'd rather just be early and be wrong, but uh, I can't do it with Kevin Na's injury here. Uh, looking at Kevin on the places that he's won, you have here at the Greenbrier and Colonial. I think the Colonial, not so much from a driving perspective, because a lot of short hitters can actually do really well because of the tree lines at Colonial, and they're just not going to encounter that here. But I think if you're looking at like approach shots, if you just want to compare one to one, one v one versus Greenbrier and Colonial, I don't think that is the worst idea in the world this week. No, it's probably not. We might want to go back and look at uh, the leaderboards from Colonial and see if any of those guys are teeing it up this week. I think that's a pretty, pretty uh, sharp comparison. Well, I'm going to go look right now. How about that? <laughs> that was my cue to you to pull that up. Well, I was hoping you'd talk longer so I wouldn't have to sit oh, here and try yeah. to pull it up oh. as we're talking. Here's, here, I'll buy you some time. Here's the tip for this week. Um, if you're going to the event, sit at the 18th green and let them hand out some of that sweet hole-in-one cash to you. It's your best ROI when those guys start making aces, they start handing out cash. Is, is that a real thing? I didn't know that was the thing. Yeah, they, so they've, they've done it for a couple of years. The first hole-in-one is $100 for everybody who's there. The second is 500 I believe, and the third is 1000 Now, they've done, that, um, they've done that in years past. I'm assuming they're doing it again this year. You have to be inside the ropes when the guys get to the tee box. But I would post up there all day and try to make money that way. Okay, so I, I'm not entirely sure who's in the field and who's not uh from just looking at strokes gained approach leaders at least from colonial this year Na was number one at 8.3 is ass wagon in this field because he was second i don't think so I, i'd remember seeing his name all right uh matt every 5.8 gain Jonas blix who's actually won greenbrier before was 5.3 strokes gained on approach and then you got to go down to actually Bryson was 3.1 that week. That's the week he couldn't drive the ball at all and just kept hitting like out of bounds every single time. Uh, Streelman, Brennan Grace, they're both in the field. Hollywood Hoagie, yeah. Richie Warinsky is up there. Yeah, so th those those are the guys. In the field. Streelman, Streelman was interesting. Now he's um you know he's really good uh, off the tee and on approaches. There's a lot of things he can't do, but I like that little colonial uh, comp as well. That's a little something. Yeah, and you just know ball striking-wise, he's going to be all right. Uh, you have to just pray that he gets 
hot enough with the putter to kind of tread water and have one of those fire rounds and just keep it going. He's actually well-priced. So for me to conclude the $9,000 range, I like Neiman above everyone else. And I think I'm with you. I would go Ben and second. And I might actually go Scott. Ah, Scheffler's really intriguing too. Probably oh, Piercy third, just because when you get into a birdie fest, it's funny, like if you look at like the normalization of Scott Piercy at like average difficulty courses, he's horrendous. But if it's really easy or really, really hard, he's actually quite good. Yeah, it's 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 super weird. I I'm with you. I'd probably just switch Benny on. I think is probably my number one. Neiman is a, a close second, and yeah, flip a coin. Scotty Scheffler probably probably fits my third. I'm I'm super excited to see what he's got. I uh, only played one head to head this week, and it was Scotty Scheffler over Cam Smith. Cam Smith like Cam Smith like pedigree wise, long term form wise, a lot like Leishman. We know that he's a really good player. He's still inside the top fifty in the world. Scheffler's like sneaky inside the top ninety right now in the world. He's ninety first. Just like, uh, just getting look at his the other guys who are coming up this week. It's like 250, 302, blah blah. Like uh Scotty Scheffler is a legit golfer across the world and I'm excited to see him for a full season. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, or even factored into his odds as well. Like they're both 40 to one, but you can get him even money right now in a head to head if you want to play him against Cam Smith, who legitimately was a disaster with his irons over his final three events to finish the 2019 season, I suppose, is what we're Yeah, and it was it's weird because like you'd see him like he'd pop up for like one round, you'd be like, Oh, it must be like Cam Smith week, and then three minutes later he'd be, you know, back down in the doldrum. So it's it's kind of been a little inconsistent for him. 8K, guys, it kicks off with Brian Herman at $8,900. Then you have Party Marty Laird, Harold Varner III, who has a strong performance at the Greenbrier in the past. Streelman and Streb, who we've already talked about. Russell, oh, he is the one who knocks. I didn't even realize he was playing. Knocks, Zach Johnson, Denny McCarthy, J.B. Holmes, and Joel Damon are the 8K range. I don't even know. Besides Streelman, maybe. I don't know if you have to play anyone in the 8K range. As much as I love the 9Ks, I hate the 8Ks. It is absolutely brutal. Uh, the pricing feels like PGA Tour veterans who like had terrible seasons, who, who aren't playing well, and DraftKings didn't know how to price them. They threw them all in the same spot. Like Zach Johnson, Russell Knox, you know Martin Laird, Brian Harmon, guys that if they were playing better should be a lot more expensive in this field. But like a lot of red missed cuts for these guys coming down the stretch of last season. They haven't been sharp. And it's like, let's lump them all together in the 8,000s. Um, Varner, I think, is interesting because we've seen him be able to go low. He's got a decent finish the last time that uh, the, this event was played at the Greenbrier. Other than that, I, I'm, I mean, Streelman we talked about, good ball striker. Um, J.B. Holmes I wouldn't touch, but he shot a 60 here. Like, I literally I, I, like, cannot find a reason to play a lot of these guys. Yeah, the, the two, like I said, yeah, Streelman and Werner, I guess, would be my leans. The one hesitation on Streelman is that, well, he is really good at ball striking. Even over the past 24 rounds, he's second in this field in strokes gained approach. But that proximity and on approach is not coming from his wedges. He's better with his long irons than wedges, and frankly, he may not have to use a whole lot of long irons this week. Werner, on the other hand, had that nice run, at least at the Northern Trust, uh, but his wedge game is quite good, so... Maybe I guess I would give the lean to Varner over Streelman if I was going to go here. But you just know, right, course history, Robert Streb, former winner here, or no, he came second here because he had to putt with his wedge in the playoff because he broke That's his right. putter during the final round. Uh, maybe it just, like, we, we hate the 8K range so much, you know the winner is coming from here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, like this is, this is absolutely going to burn me. I mean, Robert Streb, he's missed 
at least four of his last five cuts based on what I have on my cheat sheet. I'm not even going any further back than that. But again, only priced here because of that course history. So if you are a believer, if you're the course history guru, second, second, and 11th is a pretty good uh, run for a guy that uh, doesn't wear a golf glove, uses a 10-finger grip. Like this, He's a pretty like you know quirky guy. I think if you're into that, you can roster him. All right, let's talk about the 7K range because honest to God, outside of like the names that you really super duper know that have been good in the past, almost like the Zach Johnson types in the AK range. There's a few of those that have infiltrated the upper seven K range, but from 7,900 all the way down to like 6,400, there's no real discernible difference to from a lot of these guys, at least. Yeah, it's ugly. Um, some of the guys that I think could be interesting are some of the guys that we kind of talked about last year. Um, Sepp Straka hits the ball well off the tee. Um, if you want to ride some of those corn fairy tour guys who are playing hot, I mean, didn't Tom Lewis run away with the, with the finals just like a week ago or two weeks ago at this point, he's played well in uh, his, his a little foray over onto the PGA tour, or at least worldwide. He was 11th at the British open uh, made the cut at the Scottish open. So he's competed in some events uh, with much, what, with much better fields than he is going to find this week, but you're right. I mean, you're, I think you're looking for a very specific skill set. And how about this one, Pat? You like Scott Piercy. Um, Jason Duffner, outside of the putting, is almost identical to Scott Piercy. If you go look at their – like off the tee, they're identical. Approach, they're identical. Around the green, they're identical. Jason Duffner can't putt, but he's like a cheap man Scott Piercy if you think he can get hot for a round. Yeah, he is – Legit with the wedges, he's going to hit, all, although his advantage, almost like Streelman too, like they both do really well off the tee, but a lot of that is so accuracy driven. And a lot of that doesn't make as much of a difference this week. But I, I think you're right in that comp. My single favorite play of the week is in this range. So I expect him to come last place. But Andrew Landry sets up perfectly for this course. Yes, Andrew Landry. Uh, really good finish down, down the stretch last year, right? I think he ended up, where did his season end? The Northern Trust with a 30th, a top 20 at the Wyndham Championship, hits the ball well off the tee. He's pretty good with his irons. He is the other guy that I kind of had starred here. He finds a way to make a lot of my lineups uh, good or bad, but I think that's a really uh, astute observation, Pat. This guy's won on tour before. Yeah, so even just to look back to circle back to Tom Lewis, like he's inside the top, he's, he's number 61 right now in the world. So if we started like having WGCs, he would be invited to play. So he's a European tour player. He upgraded from the challenger, the challenge tour. He won on the challenge tour in 2018. Then he immediately won two weeks later at the Portugal Masters on the European tour, uh, picked up the Corn Ferry win. He actually went in Monday. He flew over from Europe, Monday qualified for the playoff final event then went out and absolutely dominated the field and I believe he was actually the highest ranked player in the field so like he's actually legit he's good on the European tour like you mentioned uh, just a lot of people are very unfamiliar with him I don't know exactly how he sets up for this course in particular but if you wanted to take him over some of the other guys in the upper 7k range like it becomes difficult so like Danny Lee has won here before Damon's a good player you have Tom Lewis and like Bud Colley uh, we know the long long-term form of Brennan Grace, but the only guys that I have starred right now, like you mentioned, Seb Straka had the star next to his name. Andrew Landry at 7,400 had the star next to his name. And the only other 7K guy that I got right now is Cameron Tringali at 7,300. Oh, yeah. He had a decent stretch at the end of last year, but I think to your to your point, 
we are starting to get into the range of golfers where we either don't have any stats on them or the stats that we have are the very basic, uh, you know, greens and regulation, fairways hit. Uh, the Corn Ferry Tour does not have uh, the shot link data, so we don't have the strokes gain stuff. So we're trying to compare apples to elephants here. And if you can get it right, I think there's a lot of money to be made. Um, you kind of convinced me a little bit on, on Tom Lewis. I'm building momentum on him. Just because the, the the guys he's priced around his peers are are, are not appealing whatsoever, so um, I might be getting a little bit of investment on, on Tommy Lewis this week. Uh, even going back to that uh, Colonial leaderboard that we were talking about, Nick Watney, I believe. Where are you at, Nick Watney? Seventy three hundred. Yeah. Nah, he wasn't as good as I thought he was on approach. Just ball striking wise, he's always pretty good, uh, and he made the cut there. So, any other? 7K guys, like my main man Lonto is there. He makes birdies, makes a ton of bogeys, but makes a lot of birdies. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this list. I mean, there we'd really be grasping at straws here. Like, Honorban Lahiri shot like a 60 here or a 61, but hasn't played well recently. Like, there's really, outside of one round, nothing to be, be excited about. But um, Harry Higgs, one of these guys who's now just coming up and getting his, getting his tour card for the first time, he's not like... Um, you know, Victor Hovland, a lot of these young guys that go straight from basically college, play a few rounds, get their tour card. Harry Higgs played like a full season on the Latin American tour. Uh, one last year on the Corn Ferry tour. He's like a seasoned veteran rookie, if you want to put it like that. He has a lot of t- uh, pro tour experience. He's going to show up here at 7,200 bucks. So I think he's interesting. He hits the ball a long way, but uh, yeah, it's a kind of a dead zone here in sevens. Yeah, odds value wise, like you have someone like Kevin Chappell who did play in the Corn Ferry playoffs to get you know knock the rust off a little bit, but he's down at seven thousand dollars. I'm not quite sure where his game has rounded back into form yet. If you want to take him or not, but like Sung Kang is seven thousand dollars. He won this season. Sam Burns is down in this range as well. Like we have names that are like I said are you can't really separate them from the upper $7,000 guys. So I think I would just lean down in this range more than anything if you were trying to decide between people. And I think that really leans toward that Hovland-Neiman build that I talked about. Or if you wanted to go like Hovland-Ben-Ann, you can just take four of these guys. It's not that bad. Yeah, I'd almost just prefer the guys that like we have almost have PGA Tour data on. Like Gooch, we know he hits his irons well on the PGA Tour. Doc Redman has showed up uh, at times on the PGA tour and, and presented extreme value. They're both low $7,000. So there, there are guys that are less risky than the, the, the corn fairy rookies that were, that were mentioning. So yeah, if you, if you want to go that route that you sounds like you are Pat, where you're locking in those two guys up at the top, this is your range, buddy. So I hope you get it right. Yeah. The only other one, if we just look at pure data from PGA tour, not corn fairy tour, everyone's favorite Swede, Henrik Norlander. He seems overpriced, but he makes a ton of birdies and he's really good with wedges. Yeah, he is. Um, he has like a handful of measured rounds and they're yeah. not pretty shot link stuff, but we'll, I'll, we'll chalk it up to a small sample size and, and cut him some slack. All right. 6K range. I think this is where you can make your money this week if you do want to yeah. have some of those builds at the top. The guys that I have started right now, I don't love Roberto Castro, but he is someone who's very good with the wedge top 10 last time he played at the Greenbrier. He's made five consecutive cuts coming into play this week to end his season. No great finishes, but realistically, if you have the two guys at the top, you're looking for someone who could storm but preferably just make the cut in four appearances at the Greenbrier he has two top 20s overall dating back to 2013 so I like him my main man Grayson Murray is back 
back, man. Oh, uh, man. He's the ball-striking sensation. Everyone hates his guts, and so no one's going to use him anyway. He's 6800 bucks. He's a ball-striking phenomenon. His final two starts of the Corn Ferry playoffs, a T7, a T11. I don't know if he's all the way back, but I know he can fill it up in a hurry, so I like him a lot. Uh, Josh Teeter is someone I looked at at $6,400. And the guy that I think is just getting overlooked, and I bet him at 300 to 1. I'll probably bet him top 20 at 12 to 1 as well. Uh, he won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour last season. It's Robbie Shelton who makes a ton of birdies on par fours and is really good with wedges. Okay, I like that one. Okay, when I, I did a little deep dive into the Corn Ferry Tour earlier this week, uh, preparing for this, and that's that's really good. Guys that um, at least can show they can win. I don't really care what level it is. We, we've, I think we've talked about this a lot. Like There is something different about just going out and being the best guy over four rounds and having the ability to win, raise the trophy on Sunday. It's, it's, it's an intangible that not everybody has. We've seen that for years on the PGA Tour, and it's the same for a lot of golfers. So guys that can actually go out and win. So with that being said, uh, whew, where do I want to start here? How about um, Christopher Ventura? Okay, Pat? Two wins on the on the Corn Ferry Tour last season. Second in scoring average behind only our man Scotty Scheffler. Uh, played half the number of rounds, so you could say that's a smaller sample size, but still was able to raise two trophies. Bad news is, didn't play well coming down the stretch of the Corn Ferry playoffs, but he's another one of these Oklahoma State grads who, for whatever reason, these guys are ready to go. I mean, he, he, he made his debut, I think, last year. Uh, Victor Hovland show, kind of paved the way, shows how easy it is for some of these guys to go from Oklahoma State. Whatever's going on in the water over there, these guys are ready for the PGA Tour. Um, and, he, and he showed up, uh, you know, recently, and he's just – the two wins, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anybody on the Corn Ferry Tour that had three wins last year. There's a handful of guys that had two, and uh, Ventura is one of them. And to kind of pad your Ventura stats, old Ace was number one on the Corn Ferry Tour, and par four birdies are better as well. Uh, like I mentioned, Shelton was number seven. Scheffler was number seven. Uh, your boy, Harry Higgs, he was number eight. Zach Blair was actually number nine as well. Lonto, number 10, because that guy makes birdies. So that's really what I want to target here, like not knowing everything about all of these guys or how their game translate to the translates to the next level if they can make a bunch of birdies at least DraftKings wise that's going to lead to a lot of scoring and like you mentioned 6300 bucks maybe I'll switch out teeter and put in Ventura yeah and I've uh, I was a little surprised you didn't mention the bod Hank Lebiota if you like birdies he was 21st on the PGA tour in birdie average last season I think it was four and a half birdies per round uh, played pl- plenty of PGA Tour starts last season, so this isn't going to be like a stage that is too big for him by any stretch of the imagination. Played well in the Corn Ferry playoffs, 11th, and I think 19th? Yeah, in the last two playoff events that he teed it up with. So playing well, makes a ton of birdies. That would be a recipe for someone I'd want to target this week. Hmm, Leviota, huh? That guy always just burns me every single time I play him. Yeah, well, he's also like $6,200. He burns is he, a lot is, of people <laughs> Is Hammer and Hank? So he is sixty eight hundred bucks. Sixty eight. Okay. I, I guess because he's one, so because he's so good. Sixty eight. The, the one the one big thing that I'm looking at right now, and we actually have data on him. It's almost like Bo he Bo Hostler uh, and Zach Blair and Richie Warinsky are actually way down in this bucket, along with Jason Kokrak, which I found surprising. That over the past twenty four rounds they played on the PGA Tour, they're amongst the ten worst players in the field from one twenty five to one hundred and fifty yards. Is that is that bad, Pat? Is that, is that a bad thing? Let's well, assume let's assume they figured it out in the three weeks off, and now they're going to be the best players on tour. 
Maybe so. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> that doesn't just because you're bad in that one area doesn't mean that you can't play really well here. But if you were to like to reverse reverse it up the other way, uh, Shelton, Landry, Na, Castro, Norlander, or one, two, three, four, five. Then the Boz, Bazelli. Bubba actually rates out really well there. Adam Long rates out really well. So does Varner, Hollywood Hoagie, your man, Duffner. Maybe Duffner is a play this week. I just, I don't know where he's at right now. You know what I get sucked in on, Pat, is I get sucked in on the headshots, and um, Jason Duffner's PGA Tour headshot looks so good. He's like the skinny, he's looking spell. Oh, my God. Like Every time I look at him, I'm like, I got to play this guy, and I feel like it burns me. I should, I should just like uh, get an extension that removes all of those headshots. It's killing me. I don't know if it's going to work out for him if he's looking skinny. He might need the boiler. I remember Carl. I Peters. know he was better when he had the little, uh, yeah. little dad bod and the little gut, man. I don't know what happened, but hey, good for him. This happened to Carl Peterson at one point too. the Swede. Everyone remembers the Swedish porn king from a while back. Guy was a good player, but like he lost like 50 pounds at one point. And the guy couldn't swing a golf club anymore. And he's just like, I just went and ate ice cream for four straight weeks, gained all the weight back. And I was good again. Well, Scott Stallings did the opposite, right? Got super jacked. Now he's good at golf. So, I mean, there's, you know, we can argue this both ways, I guess. Yeah, that guy is fucking yoked. So. Dude, it's unbelievable. But, I mean, when you get when you get basically sus- suspended for PEDs from the PGA Tour, you better be looking jacked when you come back. That's true. You better not put them to waste. You better just, like, go go use them. I agree. <laughs> uh, and any, like, takes on the guys who are returning? Like, Nas returning from injury, but he's more well-known. Like, we've had Lovemark back. Patrick Rogers is back. Kevin Chappell is back. Do you feel for any of these guys, or is that just a pure wait and see? Yeah, and and I mentioned it earlier. I I almost always would rather be early, but with the combination of the unknown, whether it's injury, kind of like nah, or just like what have they been doing over the past couple of weeks? Like I, I'm really just in wait and see mode. I don't think any of them are going to do maybe unless not like goes out and wins this week. I don't think any of them are going to do anything that is going to significantly increase their ownership or their price for the next couple of weeks. Right. When they show up in Napa, uh, they're still going to probably be similar price. If Kevin Chappell goes out and finishes T8, we're probably going to find him in the same exact spot. He's going to be like 5% more owned. So I don't think there's really that big of a benefit to trying to jump on these guys and figure out what they are early. I think we can wait a week or two and still be generally early. All right, for my betting card for the Greenbrier, I'll post this up on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the PME. I am taking Joaquin Neiman 22 to 1 to win no each way on that one. After that, I have Andrew Landry at 90 with the each way, Grayson Murray at 100 with the each way, Robbie Shelton at 300 to 1 with the each way. Again, and the, the guy's great with the wedge. He won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour coming into last, last season. It was this year, but it was last season. So that just seems like super deep odds for a guy and i'll play him probably top 20 as well and i played my main man tani hara on the euro tour rick nice i like that um yeah i i got in on victor hovland i was i was a little nervous that number was going to move so i got in on it as early as i could i did also bet scotty scheffler and then what i kind of focused on for the um the corn fairy guys is betting them kind of in the top 10 top 20 markets we've seen time and time again, you know, the first time you knock on the door, doesn't necessarily open. You got to knock on it a couple of times. You got to be in contention a few times. Um, So I really like some of these young guys who have great skill sets. They might be good fits for the course. I'm excited to play them, but I'm realistic that I'm not super convinced they can go out and win this week. So I'm going to try to get a little, get a little money, uh, top 10, top 20. Uh, Kevin Chappell actually played twice in the Corden Ferry playoffs game T62 and T51, if people oh boy. were curious. So against weaker competition, that's not great. Last thing before we get out of here, you see DJ had knee surgery? 
I did. Now, here's the thing with knee surgery. Is that like, oh, we went in and cleaned it up and it's no big deal? Or is it like, okay, now it makes sense why he lost strokes 10 straight rounds, which is like twice the longest bad stretch DJ has ever had in his entire life. I'm kind of hoping, not that I you know, wish that he was in pain and uncomfort, but like, I wish we had a reason for why he played so badly towards the end of the year. Hopefully this gets him, uh, gets him cleaned up, ready to go. But I don't know how long, I mean, we probably weren't going to see him until January anyway, right? Uh, it actually said, I'm just reading an update from Golf Channel right now. He underwent arthroscopic knee surgery Thursday to repair cartilage and damage in his left knee. It was just sort of a cleanup and he expects to be back at some point during the fall swing. Interesting. Well, with the new schedule, these guys, I think, and we saw a little bit of it last year, trying to capture those FedEx Cup points early in the season so they don't have to play every single week, especially when we start getting into, you know, the big championship type seasons and these guys want to take a couple of weeks off. So I, I do think this, the, the new schedule now in our second year, we're going to see guys start their seasons a little bit earlier and try to bank some of those FedEx Cup points so that they can um, even control their schedules a little bit more later in the, se- in the summer. Yeah, what I think that you'll see is that we're going to get some of the top-end players because there's a WGC starting on Halloween in China, but the two two weeks before that, you have the CJ Cup in Korea and then the new Zozo Championship in Japan that the especially the Japanese tournament that where it's the first PGA tournament in Japan ever that they're... I would guess the sponsors are going to pay some big names to be there. Oh yeah. Tiger, Tiger will be there no matter what, with his huge appearance fee, they're going to get their guys. Um, the CJ cup does too, right? That's how they get Brooks Kepka over there. I mean, there's, there's money to be had around the world and these guys are going to go out and play a couple rounds for them. Yeah. And then you have the WGC. So you basically, you'll probably see the top end guys just during the Asian swing that they'll go Korea, Japan, China, and then fuck off for two, two months till the tournament of champions. Yeah, that's logical. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I, I like the new schedule. What'd you think of it? I like it a lot as well. Like, I, I don't see why people are so... People, like, just get all triggered. Like, the Masters aren't until April. That's so ridiculous. But they were always in fucking April. Right. Like, nothing changed. Right. Yeah, there, there's, there, there's going to be a reason to complain about everything. I know some of the golfers didn't like that, you know, there was something huge every month they had to be prepared for. But, hey, it's great for the game, which is lining the pockets um with with sponsorship money and and everything being relevant for as long as possible i think it was a big win and the tour championship thank god pat silenced everybody because rory won both with and without strokes i'm so glad we didn't have to talk about that i sneakily liked how it worked out i I like that justin thomas started at minus 10 like i thought it was pretty compelling I mean, it was cool, right? Like after the first round, like nobody cared. Like Xander jumped right up there. I was like, holy shit, like this is actually going to happen. Somebody's going to come back and, and win this thing. And yeah, I, it was fine. I don't know why there's a two shot gap between first and second. I don't really care. I think it worked out just perfect. I like the two shot gap. You know, it's, it's just something for being the overall leader coming in, I guess. I, I think I'd be cool with it. My own, I guess my only knock is the playoff events, man, like to see Abraham answer start where he did because of his one high finish, even Patrick Reed, at least he won uh, a playoff event. He like, they, I feel like they jump up too much. I, I think there's a little bit too much weight on the playoff events, but Hey, that's my one, uh, one little knock on it. Otherwise I think it was awesome. 
eventually they'll get all this stuff figured out. So we got Sanderson Farms next week. So the, the fall schedule is Greenbrier, Sanderson Farms, Safeway, Shriners, Houston. We got Houston back on the schedule. It's now October 10th. CJ Cup, Zozo, and there's also the WGC back-to-back-to-back weeks. But there's something called the the new Bermuda Championship. Is like an alternate. It's like the Barracuda of the swing season. It's going on opposite the uh, the WGC. Then you got the then you got Mayakoba and RSM, a place where we've won some money in the past. Those two events. Oh yeah, and first of all, does every alternate event have to be have to start with a B? Barracuda, Barbasol, Bermuda. I confuse them all already. We don't need to add another one into the mix. Um, I'll be at the Shriners. I'll be there uh, first round in Vegas on Thursday for the day. So if anybody wants to, I'll buy you a beer if you want to find me. <laughs> the, the, the Smiley Kaufman Open, the Shriners. Dude, yeah, and 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 Bryson, I'm sure will be there defending his title, and yeah, it'll be a good time. Yeah, just uh, when we get to that, just remind me, take guys that score really well on power fives. Oh, yeah, they destroy them, right? Yeah. That's like the thing. Did, didn't Cantley win there the year before, too? Mm, I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. Yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> wait, we'll wait till we get to the Shriners. We have two two events in between that, and we'll focus on the Greenbrier for right now. Uh, I'm not doing a one and done during the swing season, but let's say if you were, I'd probably take Neiman. Oh man, put me on the spot. That's pretty good. I, I actually might take, um, I think Ben on is really in a good spot and, and no one's talking about him. His T to green game is second to only Victor Hovland. Um, I would probably burn him at this point. Cause I don't think I need to save him for anything else. Yeah. And we are on bent grass, which, I mean, he's not good at putting on bent grass, but it's his least worst surface of any of the putting surfaces. So that's always it's not nice. good on any surface. Yeah. yeah. It's bad. But Poe, like if you get Benny Ann on Poe like that, that's a disaster waiting to happen. At least like we've seen him compete at Memorial on bent in the past and it worked out fine for him, but DFS on demand.com. Let everyone know what you're doing over there because you're covering more golf than I am during the swing season. Oh man, I, I'm, I'm all in on golf. All other sports have been discontinued. I completely redid the site with uh, a bunch of new tools. I gave you access to my strokes game database. You can go look up any round, any stat, any player that you want. It's just a lot of good things. I'm excited about it. And yeah, it'll be all golf all the time for me. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME, Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. I talked about the giveaway. Thumbs up to the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me which, I was going to say web, which corn fairy player you think has the best season that is not named Victor Hovland and become a member at fantasynational.com right now. If you don't have time to put in besides watching this video and then trying to make lineups for the DK golf season, which I highly, again, highly recommend that you play because you're just taking on people that know absolutely nothing about golf besides some of the regulars. There's a lot of dead money in this. The Fantasy National is the quickest way to get up to speed. It has everything you need to make your research process quick. Even if you don't want to research, just put in your key stats and boom, just let it print you out who the top of the rankings are, hit the lineup generator, you're good to go. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. My cheat sheet will be up on DKPlaybook.com. Bets on my Facebook page on Wednesday. Good luck at the Greenbrier. I'll see you next time. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.